Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, called Having a Tested Faith. Paul's writing 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and he's, he's talking about the God of all comfort who comforts us when we go through all this stuff. And he says in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 1, I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. That we were burdened excessively, what's your Bible say? Beyond our strength. So that we despaired even of life. Indeed, We had the sentence of death within ourselves. Here's the reason. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. Notice how the focus is God. The reason they went through this, that we would not trust in ourselves, verse 9. Verse 8 says we are burdened beyond our strength, more than we could handle, if you will. Back to Hebrews 11. My point is simply this, that when we go through a test, God is reshifting our eyes. He is saying to us, I want you to learn to trust me for things that are beyond you. When you're at the edge of the Red Sea and there's nowhere to go, when you're at the banks of the Jordan River and they're flooded and it looks impossible to cross, I'm going to take you to places like that and I'm going to teach you endurance. I'm going to teach you how to trust me. And so God tested Abraham. And this would be the most difficult test of his life. Hebrews 11:18 says, It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, in this little kid called Laughter, which by the time we get to Genesis 22, he's probably either a teenager or a young adult. In Isaac, your descendants or your seed shall be called. Now, if I'm going to have all these offspring through the child Isaac, how will I have offspring as the stars of the sky or the sand of the seashore, if he's dead before he has a wife and babies. That makes absolutely no sense. So he considered 19, when Abraham thought about the implications of such a request or command, he considered that God is able. Mark that in your Bible because that's a statement of faith. He considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead. Get this. Abraham thought it through by faith and said, okay, if Isaac's the son of promise and we've had this miracle child and we're going to have all this offspring as the stars of the sky, then if I cut him up and I burn him, God's going to raise him back from the dead from the ash heap. And some people say, oh, you got to be kidding me. God's going to raise the kid up from a pile of ashes? That better be true, because a lot of you have decided that you are going to be cremated. And all God's people said, yep. 
And a lot of your loved ones have been cremated. And if God can't raise people up from the ashes, it's over, baby. And to my knowledge, where we're at in the Bible so far, when we get to Genesis 22, we'll take a peek in a moment. There have been no resurrections. Can you think of a resurrection in the first 21 chapters of Genesis? How does Abraham know anything about a resurrection? How did Abraham come? Look, look. You've sat in, under preaching many Easter Sunday mornings and heard about a resurrection and read 1 Corinthians 15 and Acts 26. Why should any of you think it incredible that God raises the dead and you've seen the biblical narratives of Christ rising from the dead? But what did Abraham have? Faith. And in his mind, a pile of ashes because he was going up to the mountain to kill him, which is an amazing act of obedience. He considered, 19, that God is able, that's faith, to raise men even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Now that word type is parabole. If you're interested, it's para, P-A-R-A, bole, B-O-L-E. It's the word uh, from which we get parable. It's a similitude. It's a picture a parable is sometimes a story that pictures something else, like it's an earthly story, but a spiritual meaning. Well, here's a living parable. Abraham's up on Mount Moriah. He's ready to kill his son and offer him as a burnt offering to God. And he's acting out a gospel picture. Now let's flip over to Genesis 22. Genesis 22. So he reasoned through it. And he put together that if he had to kill him, that God would raise him. And so Genesis 22.1 says God tested Abraham. He put him to the proof, just a reminder. He spoke to Abraham and Abraham responded, here I am, which means uh, checking in for service, if you will, ready to serve. Take now 22.2 of Genesis. Your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you. I've mentioned to you the implications of the burnt offering. Mount Moriah is the temple mount. Uh, David purchased the land from Ornan the Jebusite. If you're taking notes, Second uh, Chronicles 3, 1 uh, says that Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, 2 Chronicles 3.1, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. One more time, 2 Chronicles 3.1. And so Abraham rose early in the morning. I think I would have slept in that morning. Amen? <laughs> I don't think I would have set the alarm for early in the morning. I think I would have put off this act as long as possible. He saddled the donkey, took two of his young men with him, apparently just said nothing to his wife. You could imagine that conversation. Took Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, rose, went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. The place was Mount Moriah. Now, if you look at the topography of Mount Moriah, here, here's what you'll see. You go up, when you're, when you're, do a tour of Israel, 
and you look at the Temple Mount from Mount, the Mount of Olives, which is east of the temple, and you see the top of the golden, uh, the Muslim shrine there, the Dome of the Rock. So it's, a, it's an elevated area there, and that whole area makes up the Temple Mount, if you will. And there's debate about where Solomon's temple actually uh, originally was, but that's secondary for our discussion. When you're moving around those parts, you come to the garden tomb and about 100 yards from the garden tomb, so the place where they think Jesus may have been laid, his body before the resurrection, you, bought, you walk about 100 yards toward the Mount, towards the Mount of Olives and you get to a place called Gordon's Calvary. If, you ever, if you've been there or ever seen pictures of it, it's very recognizable because in the mountainside, it's, or it's like more like a hill, you're up, up on a hill and then there's like another sub-hill, is something that looks like a skeleton, or I should say a skull. It, it kind of has the shape of these two eyes and like a nose and a mouth. And it's called Gordon's Calvary, or Golgotha, which literally means the place of the skull. And as Abraham is traveling with Isaac and the servants, they park the donkey, probably because the donkey can't make it up the hill, and maybe because he doesn't want to have explained to these two servants what he's about to do. And they start making their way up to the hill, and I don't know if it looked the same way that it does today, but perhaps that shape of the skull was still there, which would kind of speak of a place of death. And up he goes. And so Abraham said, five, Genesis 22, stay here with the donkey and I, the lad, will go yonder and we will worship, notice, we will worship and return to you. There's Abraham's faith. If he dies, then I believe that God will raise him and we'll both come back after we worship the Lord. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. John 8, 56. How did Abraham see Jesus' day? Abraham saw the gospel acted out on Mount Moriah, and I would venture to argue, probably on the very spot where Jesus would die 2,000 years later, Abraham saw Jesus' day. What day? And he was glad Why was he glad? Abraham saw the gospel. He saw the death and the resurrection of the Lamb of God 2,000 years before it ever occurred and he was probably standing on the very spot. Tell me that the Bible and God aren't amazing. Abraham saw it. He saw it in a parable. He saw it as a picture. He probably didn't understand every angle of it, but he saw it. He saw my day and he was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham. What are you talking about? Abraham lived 2,000 years before this day. You're not even 50. And Jesus says to them, just to add a little extra layer to the pudding, I tell you before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. They knew what he was saying. He was saying, I'm God. And they didn't like it, of course. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? 
As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Mm. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm-hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He saw my day, and he was glad. And the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? What are you talking about? Abraham lived 2,000 years before this day. You're not even 50. And Jesus says to them, just to add a little extra layer to the pudding, I tell you before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. They knew what he was saying. He was saying, I'm God. And they didn't like it, of course. John eight fifty six through 59, if you want to go back and look at it. Abraham took the wood. Can't help but think of the cross of the burnt offering. He laid it on Isaac, his son, when Jesus was walking to uh, the Via Della Rosa to the crucifixion site. He carried his own cross. Even Jewish scholars, even Jewish scholars saw Isaac walking with the wood as a crucifixion victim about to be uh, capitally killed. Jewish scholars that don't even uh, believe in the gospel. He took his hand took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so the two walked on together. And I mean, Isaac's a bubbly, fun kid. He's probably laughing. Dad, yeah, dad, dad, what are we doing? And then Isaac spoke to Abraham and said, Abba, literally, that's the language, Abba, daddy, here I am, son. I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? You can imagine that the heavy heart of Abraham as he was playing this in his head. But look at Abraham's faith. He said, God will provide for himself the lamb. You could render this, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Don't worry about it. God will provide. And so the two of them walked on together. And they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there. He'd be taking some stones and making like a crude, you know, ancient altar. He arranged the wood, bound his son Isaac. Now Isaac is getting the picture, isn't he? And he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, if Isaac is a late teenager or a young adult, and Abraham is 117 (laughs) or whatever he is, Tell me Isaac couldn't take him. Tell me Isaac would be, no way. I see that knife in your belt. 
this ain't going to happen. Come on, old man. You know, at some point, every teenage boy squares off with their old man anyway. But one thing they don't know about old men is we fight dirty. (laughs) But that's another topic. I want you to note Isaac's voluntary submission to his aged father. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the power to lay it down and the power to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I will yield to my father's will. See, this took two. It took the father and the son to be in agreement. And Isaac submits to his father, allows him to, be, to bind him. He lays him on the altar on top of the wood, a definite picture of the cross long before it was ever invented. And Abraham stretched out his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. Hebrew Christians, do you remember this story? Christians in the Inland Empire, do you remember this story? What test are you going through right now? Did God ask you to build an ark when it never rained before? Did God ask you to take your only son that you love, the child of promise through whom all these offspring supposed to come and offer him as a burnt offering? What's your test right now? Oh, it's bad. What is it? Well... People at the office, they're not inviting me anymore to Coco's. Oh. Well, (laughs) now look, I'm not diminishing what you're going through. But do you see the point? Hebrew Christians, this is your faith history. I know it's rough. I know it's difficult. But hang in there. Abraham's got the knife over his son, but the angel of the Lord, and most believe this is Jesus, called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. With the blade poised for descent, the angel of the Lord, ironically, Jesus, stops him. And he said, don't stretch your hand out against the lad. Don't do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. That is a statement of putting to the proof, brethren, Now your metal has been revealed. Not that God didn't know it. Since you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham raised his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Abraham went, took the ram, offered him for a burnt offering in the place of his son. There's substitution right there. Another picture of the gospel. And Abraham made this momentous declaration. He called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. This place was called Yahweh Yahweh, or the more familiar rendering, Jehovah Jireh. The names of God, says one writer, are windows through which his character is seen. The Hebrew word transliterated Jireh is actually a form of the common ra'ah, to see meaning God would see to it. He would take care of it. This has a future sense. This is where he will deal with your sin and my sin on Mount Moriah with the blessed Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It will be provided. That's what's at stake here, Hebrew Christians and contemporary Christians. Do you see it? It's the gospel. This is what Abraham was acting out. This is the cornerstone of our faith. This is what we believe the Lord provided on Mount Moriah 2,000 years later. 
And it strikes me, and I'll, I'll give you a personal story on another level, because the, the main point is the gospel, but I want you to see another practical thing. So my son was, uh, my youngest was uh, trying to figure out college, and you know he was looking at all the FAFSAs and the loans and stuff like that, and and there, were, there was a definite gap between where he needed to be and where the finances were. And we were talking on the phone one night, and he said, Dad, I had, I had this weird vision of a ram caught in like a bush, like in the thicket. And I remembered that story was in the Bible about, you know, and he was trying to recall where it was. And I said, and I happened to be teaching this at the time, just, you know, happenstance, right? And I said, and he goes, do you know where that is? And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> Not only do I know where that is, I am teaching it, or I just recently had taught it. And you know what that means? It means the Lord will provide, and I think he gave you that dream or vision or whatever it was to tell you he's got it. He will see to it. And tonight, I'm before you to tell you that the Lord will provide. Amen? Because in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. You've been listening to Having a Tested Faith, Part 3, on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews, Chapter 11, Verses 17 through 19. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Hey, just to let you know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our hope is to broadcast this program on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Our ministry has grown a lot over the years, and it's thanks to our church and our listeners that have become our financial partners. Our producer, Rob Newton, went to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California recently to update the congregation on the state of walk in truth. He talked about where we are, what's new, where we'd like to go, and how you can help. If you'd like to listen to Rob Newton and Pastor Michael's short presentation, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's also on walkintruth.com. We've entitled it The State of Walk in Truth. And again, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, maybe lately you have felt like you've been going through the washing machine of testing. And, you know, James does say, count it all joy when you encounter various trials or tests, if you will, because the testing of your faith produces, and we know it produces endurance. In Romans 5, we know it's proven character. It proves you, and of all things, hope. You can read Romans 5, about 3 through 5, and you'll find out that Paul reiterates what James says about trials, tribulations, tests. They produce. I don't like them. I got to be honest. When I'm in the midst of the test, when I'm in the washing machine, if you will, uh, I don't like it. My flesh doesn't like it. But if I can know that it's going to produce benefits to my inner man— well, then praise the Lord. And if I can shift my thinking a little bit, maybe you can do this as well. You say, Pastor Michael, yep, right there in the middle of a test. Okay, well, think about this. Think about the end of the road. The test will will end. It will subside. And then what? Well, then you'll have perseverance. 
more perseverance than you had before, more proven character, and more hope. Check it out, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Well, we're going to be talking about a faith that's not afraid as we continue to move through Hebrews 11, a faith that's not afraid. Maybe you've been overcome by fear in the last days or months or weeks, and you need a message about how not to be afraid. Well, tune in as we'll look at Hebrews 11, 23 through 26. We're going to talk about Moses's parents and Moses's incredible life and the challenges that they faced in Egypt and otherwise a faith that's not afraid right here tomorrow on Walk in Truth. Hey, tune in tomorrow. Tell a friend. Please keep us in prayer. Partner with us if you can. You can find out more when you go to walkintruth.com. Check out more about the ministry, the church behind it, how to give, walkintruth.com. Serve one another, love one another, encourage one another. What a great privilege we have in Jesus. Praise God. Amen. We'll see you soon. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast to reach more people like you with the hope of Jesus. And now we offer the Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your donation. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 26 about a faith that's not afraid. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.